Hello, and welcome to the Bubbly and Baseball podcast, hosted, as always, by Ed Hand and Bailey Von Schneider. If you love drinking sparkling adult beverages, and you also happen to love baseball, then we would love for you to join us every Sunday. So, without further ado, here are Bailey and Ed. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bubbly and Baseball. Unfortunately, we're not going to be doing too much of the bubbly. I have a polar cranberry lime seltzer as my bubbly because it's late recording on a weekday because I was at a wedding this weekend, and I'm sure Ed has his reasons as to why he doesn't want to drink on a Monday as well. I don't like being hungover at work. I think that's a good enough reason. I think that's a smart reason. Uh, so what we decided that we were going to talk about was uh, Hall of Fame, the uh, Baseball Writers Association of America ballot, which is always a hot issue for uh, everybody. I mean, we were just talking about uh, with some of these uh, some of these committee guys, like mm. uh, with Harold Baines getting in the other year, and it's sort of. Sort of just is a little bit confusing as to why some of these players got in. But then you look at this year with the four uh, from the Golden Days era, uh, Gil Hodges, Jim Cott, uh, Mindy Minoso, and Tony Oliva. And yes. I honestly, like, couldn't think of any reason not to uh, not to put them in. I actually had thought Tim, Jim Cott was already in the Hall of Fame. Mm. He won 283 games and just kind of pitched forever, so that he sort of seemed like somebody who had already been there to me. Been there, yeah. Turns out he wasn't. Uh, Minoso was, like, a favorite of my mom's, and I'm not entirely sure why she, like, was so obsessed with him when I was a kid. Like, you know, like, um, when I'd be, like, playing Little League or whatever, she'd be like, oh, you were just, like, Mini Minosa out there. And it was, like, it's kind, of kind of a random player for you player. to be referencing. Yes, I'm, like, <laughs> Chicago White Sox legend. She just loved I um I actually had the pleasure of meeting Vinny Minoso and Tony Oliva because um wow oh god maybe probably 15 years ago at this point I went on a baseball cruise so it was literally like a, a cruise and like all of some of the activities were they were like baseball legends on the cruise so you could do like clinics with them you got oh, to meet wow. them get their autographs like it was super cool. And my, so Tony Leva, very sweet man, but Minnie Minosa, like, there were, like, clinics that we were doing, and one of them was, like, a pitching clinic, and he came up to me, and he's like, you got a great arm, sweetie, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> so, I felt validated. Minnie Minoso thought that I could throw well, so my life has been made. <laughs> I mean, so did you play baseball as a kid? I did, like, t-ball, but I never really played, because I sort of got into baseball, like, in my, like, mid-teens, so I sort of looked, you know, like, 14, 15, and I never really was, like, super big into softball, so I was like, I don't really want to play softball. <laughs> like, you know, that's not a knock on softball. I'm sure softball's great. But I was just like, uh So I never really played it, but, like, you know, you play catch and all that. So, like, there's the one thing I could do is, like, I can throw pretty well, but, like, I'm not confident that I can hit well. <laughs> like, I go to a batting cage, and I'm like, this is, like, 40 miles an hour, and it's fast, you know? It's, it's harder than it looks, I think. Oh like... I, like, they say that hitting a fastball is the hardest thing to do in any sport, and I kind of, like, can you imagine trying to hit, like, 103 miles an hour or something like that? No, and you then You have no idea where movement? it's going, like... Yeah. And then if you're like, okay, if it's a straight fastball, they, they can eventually catch up to it, but, like, some guys have zip on their fastball, so you're not, like, 
Yeah, imagine if the thing has movement and it's at 100. Like, yeah, like I have no idea how like Primal World this Chapman ever gave up any hits. It's 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 it's, it's just madness to think about. Yeah, and you're just like 100. Like, yeah, that guy hit like 106 at one point. I think something like that. Yeah, and, and you're like, that is that is asinine. Like, it's a scene. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, nobody should be able to like, and he's so. Like, I get that everybody's like, oh, look, yeah, he works out and stuff, and he's, like, got this arm, but, like, he's still, like, a slender man. So I'm like, <laughs> how does, like, somebody who's, or how did, like, Clay Buckholds ever, Buckles ever throw? That is, there's some, or Tim Lincecum, like, when you yeah. look at that guy's build, like, what the... And he was so short, yeah, Lincecum being a small, Sam Sunny Gray small, Marcus Stroman small, like, how do these small guys get it well, up there? Well, I know with Pedro Martinez, he had these, like, really long fingers, he and did. that allowed him to, like, uh, do different things with his curveball and his changeup that other pitchers couldn't do. So it's not entirely, like, you know, like, the taller players, definitely you can put a little bit more oomph onto the ball, but you can do that if you're small, too. Pedro never had any, like, really serious elbow injuries or anything, either, so it's just yeah, no, sort of amazing to healthy. think about it. It's so weird that if you look at it, I feel like they seem to have been healthier you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago than they are now. Now Tommy John seems to be, like, given out the minute you, like, sign on the dot. It's like, oh, yeah, you're going to need Tommy John soon. Well, I wonder how much of that is – I mean, I feel like there, there there must be some kind of a combination of things there. I think people are throwing a lot harder these days than they used yeah, to. Yeah, that is a good point, too. So, and, yeah. I mean, I don't know how the steroids affect it. I don't know if steroids, like, would make you less likely or actually more likely <laughs> – to uh oh, yeah to need to need the surgery and then there's also just like i think it's safer now than it used to be so while some people might have uh been you know like rehabbing um now it's just like we'll just get the surgery you'll come back stronger in 15 months it'll be fine yeah the yeah the only bad part about tommy john is the recovery period outside of that like look at nathan of all these had two and he just had a Cy Young caliber season, so you you know it's not a death yeah. sentence by any stretch, you know. No, the one that's the death sentence now is that um, the one where they have to like thoracic outlet it. syndrome. Yeah, like has that's anybody like, actually come back from that? No. Yeah, no, you you don't because like that's that was the nail in the coffin for um, someone like uh, what's his face the 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 one they called the Dark Knight. Oh, uh, Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey, yeah. That was his death sentence. It wasn't Tommy John. He had Tommy John on top of having the uh, thoracic outlet syndrome. So, oof. Yeah, that's one you don't want to get because your career is pretty much over. That was the big problem with when we traded, um, you know, when everybody was, like, really mad when Travis Shaw went to the Brewers and we got, um, God, oh, what was that? Uh, Thor- Thornburg or something like yeah. that. The problem was that he then got hurt and had to have the thoracic outlet syndrome. He was fantastic. Fantastic. Like, that was, in retrospect, a really good trade if he didn't, unfortunately, get hurt. Like, they traded for, like, somebody that was a stud, you know? Oh, yeah, he was a real... That's why, you, in my opinion, at least, that's why you don't trade, like, for relief pitchers. Yeah, you no, just it's don't unfortunate. Know gonna, yeah. You just don't know how... Arm injuries like that for a guy that's only pitching, like, 60 innings a season or whatever, it's just not... Yeah. It's not worth it. I'd ra- I like I'd see where I've got, what I've got from my club if I were a general manager, and then if I need additional arms, that's when you trade for the last two months of the season. Yeah, yeah. But the thing was, in retrospect, like you felt like had had he not gotten hurt, that probably would have been an extremely valuable piece to the pen. But unfortunately, you know, like you said, shit happens. 
I feel like there was another. There were like the Red Sox had a series of these relievers that they traded for with this. Andrew happening. Bailey. Yep, Andrew Joel Bailey, Hanrahan. Joel Hanrahan. Yeah, at least you got uh, Brock Holt out of the Hanrahan trade. Yeah. But, yeah, those were three relievers that, like, were top relievers that they traded for that were then completely useless. Oh, gosh. Was there another one that Dombrowski traded for? I feel like there was one the year before they got the He traded up. for Kimbrell, but Kimbrell it worked out. Right. No, but there was, like, somebody – oh, God, I don't even remember who it was at this point. There was, like, one other, like, reliever that they hmm. – I felt like um, when he traded for Kimbrell, it was just like, okay, screw this. We need somebody. <laughs> Yeah, we but need I'm the best. A, I'm having a great on this. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure who who else he potentially. Oh, I know he also traded for a guy, Addison Reed. But that, that was that was one of them. That was like a deadline move where Reed yeah. just fell off the face of the earth, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he really did. And he was like not bad for the Sox either. No, he wasn't. He yeah. uh, was okay, and then he just sort of disappeared. Yeah, it's like okay, he made his money, went home or to wherever. <laughs> But yeah, so, um, but we were talking about the uh, Hall of Fame candidates, and I, mm-hmm. I was just uh, doing a little bit of reading about uh, one of the Bud Fowler who was added to it. I just want to, I just want you to uh, listen to just a few of the things from his Wikipedia page because oh. this is like, <laughs> this is like lunacy. Some of the these like early day baseball stuff. So, first of all, he played for the Cuban Giants and the Page Fence Giants of the Negro Leagues. Okay. Um, I like that there were two te- different teams with the name, uh, with like, basically the same name. He only played for, like, three years in them, so he wasn't really as much a player as something else. But, uh, yeah. just, this is his early life, though. The son of a fugitive hop picker and barber, Bud Fowler was Christian John W. Jackson, His father had escaped from slavery and migrated to New York. In 1859, his family moved from Fort Plain, New York, to Cooperstown. He learned to play baseball during his youth in Cooperstown. He was nicknamed Bud because all of the other players called him Bud. (laughs) Hey, Bud! (laughs) Like, that is is the way that uh, you get a nickname, I guess. Um... But yeah, no, it's just kind of an interesting career that he had. He was kind of like he actually started as a fourteen-year-old on an all-white team. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually played for another professional team when he was nineteen, um, and then he pitched a game for um, a team that beat the Boston Red Caps, uh, champions of the National League in eighteen seventy-seven. So he was kind of just uh, pitching. He was also a barber while he was uh, <laughs> playing for local baseball teams because right. back then. You know, you had to you had to do that to support yeah. yourself. God, until yeah, you had to do like Jim Blomborg was a dentist. Like I think and that wasn't I, that long ago. No, it wasn't. I think Pete Rose drove a forklift during the off season, didn't like, he? That's crazy to me. Probably. And like that's like arguably one of the best hitters in baseball is just like, Oh yeah, because we don't make enough money, I have to also work in the off season. They're like minor leaguers do now because they get paid ass. But yeah, now it's like Mike Trout is making like forty million dollars a year. Uh. <laughs> it's crazy what's happened. Like you know, like Manny Ramirez signed his like eight year contract, like I think twenty one years ago. Like I think yesterday or the day before. Yeah, had, I saw that. And that contract was for like a hundred and sixty million dollars. And I'm like, oh my god, that was like the best player in baseball at that point. So you just see how much. 
you know, how much more, I mean, obviously baseball has grown, there's more revenue, they're making more money than ever, so obviously the players are making more money, but that's crazy. Manny Ramirez was like a $20 million player, he'd be like a $35 million player today. Oh, yeah, well, think about what, I mean, did the A-Rod sign with Texas for like a ludicrous amount that year also? Yeah, he may have got like, I think he was the first, two, was A-Rod like the first $200 million man? I think so, he was like, what, 252, I think. Yeah, and then, yeah, that's crazy. Two hundred fifty-two million. Yep, yep. Ten years. That's just insane. But now you think about it, ten fifty-two is a freaking steal. Yeah, I mean, depending on the player, it's not a steal if it's like uh, Adam Ottavino getting that. <laughs> no, no, no. But if that's Alex Rodriguez caliber player getting oh, yeah. that day, oh my god, like what a steal. <laughs> Speaking of Alex Rodriguez, he's on the ballot. I, I think we should just go over who's on the ballot yeah. and like give our opinions on. So here's what I'm thinking with this. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, ready? We do a scale of one through ten for how much you think they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Ten being a no brainer. One being a why is he even on the list here? Yeah, what do you think? that sounds good. I like that. So. So I'm just going to go, let's just go in order for how they're appearing on the, uh... The ba- yeah, sure. On the BaseballReference.com ballot that we both have up right now. Yep, yep. Thanks, Baseball Reference. You were quite the helper. Because it's uh, nice, because you could see their war, you could see how long they played, so it's kind of nice. So, here's our first one. Ready? Mm-hmm. Familiar guy for all of us. Kurt yes. Schilling. Okay, so... Like, I try not to uh, put my own personalness into things, like, especially when it comes to steroids. This one is really, really hard, though, because I just don't think he's a, a, a I don't I don't think we should be honoring people that are this deplorable. So, like, that's how I look at it. But if you take away that, if Mike Messina is in the Hall of Fame, Kurt Schilling should be in the Hall of Fame. So it's a 10 when you talk about that with people who are already in what he's done resume-wise, but honoring Giving an honor to somebody like that pains me. So it's like that's a it's like a gray area for me, really. I don't know so, how you feel about Schilling. I um so uh, Kurt Schilling wore a T-shirt that uh, had a basic basically a uh, suggested hang all journalists. Now yeah. my uh, my degree in college was um, in journalism, and I've done some sports writing work since, mm-hmm. and. I honestly don't really care about, like, what his opinions are and how much of a piece of shit he is. Um, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And I think that it's easy to say, like, oh, well, we shouldn't be handing out this honor to people. But there are actual segregationists in the Hall of Fame. That's there the are problem. Are That's bad, the problem. There are bad – there are objective yeah, Ty Cobb is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, like, the guy yeah. beat up a crippled guy, like – you know, Orlando was uh, arrested for drug trafficking. Like, there's a lot. Th- there are people that are not so great in the Hall of Fame, and I think that at the end of the day, it's a fancy baseball museum, and there are some people that were pretty shitty that played baseball. There are still people that are pretty shitty playing baseball. Like, but you know, if you're good enough at it and you did stuff that was, um, you know, deserving of it, if you look at Schilling's numbers, you compare him to somebody like you suggested, Musina. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. I don't think there's any reason. I, I think it's like I, I think it's kind of petty of sports writers to uh, be like, oh well, you know, he doesn't pass the character clause, and it's like, okay, yeah, but you voted for Omar Vizquel, who I, also on the ballot. Oh my god, the like, one like 
domestic abuser. Yeah, like, the guy abu- and abused his power to, like, sexually assault bat boys. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, just, just, I mean, Todd Helton uh, has a DUI. Like, he could have, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. where where do you draw the line with this? Either, yeah. you're, either the character clause matters or it doesn't. Um, and I, I tend to lean towards just it doesn't because... Just it just makes it easier, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely so tough, especially when you're like you have you have Ty Cobb is there, but it's like, do we look at it saying that we've evolved as people that we unfortunately let in somebody like a Ty Cobb then, but we, we've evolved as people, so we don't want to let a Kurt Schilling in. A part of me thinks Kurt Schilling is. I mean, he got seventy one point one percent of the vote last year. It is his tenth and final. I, I think he's going to get in unless he ran his mouth too much. And those people aren't going to be voting him in. It's so tough to really tell because 71.1 is so damn close that normally I would tell you definitely getting in because you only need 75%, you know? Right. And, I mean, he did he did say, like, hey, don't vote for me next year. I want to be taken off the ballot. So, okay, yeah. Kurt, whatever. Like, yeah, but I, then you're going to kiss ass when they let you in. Like, you're going to be so sad. You want in here. You say People that say that desperately want to get in somewhere. I think it would be so funny if Kurt Schilling had to give a speech after Barry Bonds. Oh my god! Yeah. Like, that's that's the next guy there is Bonds, um, who for me is a should have been in his first year. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. Like, if you look at his number, even before, like, yes, the man definitely took steroids. But again, you know, like Ed's speaking to, there are already segregists in the Hall of Fame. There are terrible people in the Hall of Fame. There are steroid users in the Hall of Fame. Like, people openly, proudly voted for someone like Pudge Rodriguez, who definitely also took steroids, you know? Well, I mean, it was never proven. That's sort of the thing. I think that that's what... That's the same that's with Barry. For me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's the same oh, yeah. thing. It's what differs between somebody like Barry Bonds for me yeah. and Manny Ramirez. Of course. Or, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well... But then again, like, in other sports, like, people will get in trouble for cheating or whatever. Nobody cares. Nobody, Nobody cares, cares as much about it as in baseball. And Julian reason, Edelman got, like, popped for PEDs, and people were, like, throwing him a parade when he, like, came back. Yeah. Like, like, it, nobody cares in other sports. You're right. It is weird. There's this weird thing about baseball. And I, it could be because they ran so rampant in the 90s in, into, like, the early 2000s. And, you know, things, records were being broken so I don't know if that's maybe why there's sort of this, like, more black cloud that hangs over. I, I don't know, really, though. It's interesting, because, though, I, I, maybe it just, it just has to do with, like, the tradition that baseball is rooted in, where people mm-hmm. are like, oh, 61 home runs, no one's ever going to break that, and then McGuire and Sosa both break at the same year, and it's like, oh, yeah. well, that doesn't actually count. Yeah, it's true. You, record. Of, you hold on to these things that you have that you never believe are ever going to be broken. Yeah, that's that's a very valid point, too. But, yeah, I, I agree with you on the, the Bonds, yeah. for sure, especially if you look at his resume. Even before he started taking steroids, uh, like, you know, allegedly, obviously never tested positive, <laughs> uh, his head and shoe size just grew, but, you know, that's fine. Uh, he was definitely a Hall of Famer that he had already won, I think, like three MVPs even oh. before. Like, it's crazy. Like, the, the man is, is an amazing hitter. And, like, my thing is, too, it's like – what steroids probably got – the thing that steroids got Barry Bonds was to break Hank Aaron's record. I think without steroids, he doesn't 
Branks 755. Uh, and he doesn't get nearly as many walks as he does because people are so terrified of him hitting home run that they're going to walk him. But it doesn't mean, like, so to me, it's like if the hit is getting pushed over the fence, but you still have to hit it. Like, you know, and Barry Bonds could hit it, but it just sailed a thousand feet. Like, like it felt like because he had so much power behind it. So I feel like home runs is maybe, and walks or what were given more to him with steroids. It wasn't his you know, his overall hit tool. I mean, he could do everything. He could just... The the steroids don't help you hit a baseball better. No. You know, they help you heal faster, they make you stronger, but your reflexes and timing, your strategy going up against the bat or the amount of work that you put into it. I mean, Bonds was, uh, as well as being physically gifted, he was very, he was a very intelligent hitter. He knew oh, what the yeah. pitchers were going to throw every single at bat he came in. That's, you don't draw that many walks. I mean, yeah, them being terrified of pitching to you certainly helps there, but these guys are still professional athletes. They're not just trying to like, oh, avoid you sure. the entire game. They'd rather, like, and, like, those pitchers have their pride. They'd rather strike out Barry Bonds than walk Barry Bonds. You, you know, so that that plays a factor into it, too. So, yeah, I think he, one of the purest hitters, it was, like, in the 90s, was, like, him and Junior as, like, the two best. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah. And Bob stayed healthier than Junior, too, which I oh, yeah. still, it's, it's still amazing to think about what Junior would have been if he had never gotten hurt. The best I mean, he already was player this. to ever play. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, which, The home the, run king. I think he easily is the home run king. I mean, he already had, like, over 600 home runs, and yeah. he, like, just could not stay healthy by the end of it. And it was unfortunate. Of it. Yeah, but, and uh, it's true. And then if you bring in the whole idea of, like, because you could go down to, like, Roger Clemens, who's, like, next on the list, being like, well, sure, Barry Bonds is taking steroids, but the pitchers are also taking steroids. So, like, are we on an evil were, – were, was everybody on an evil, even playing field in the 90s? Like, maybe they really were. So then he just happened to be the best player in the cheating era. <laughs> yeah. No, it's the same as, like, all these guys hitting 400 in, like, the dead ball era, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, so, like, like we're it, – it's not like we're not going to put, like, Nat LaHoy in the Hall of Fame just because he was – he hit 426 when everybody was hitting 426, you know? Yeah, so it's like – it's they played in that era, and then it's unfortunate that you get p- other people – that play in that era, that you could say, oh, maybe they weren't good enough, but they were clean, so I'm going to give them a little boost. I'm going to give them a vote because I believe they were playing clean in an era. But so it's like if everybody was – but still, if everybody was playing at at a clean level, Barry Bonds is still better than Scott Rowland. So, oh, like, yeah. You know, like, so it's like you're still – I don't know. It's like Scott Rowland is still not – maybe close enough to the Hall of Fame as, like, other people believe, and it's like, oh, but Scott Rowland wasn't cheating. But, yeah, even if Scott Rowland cheated, he would still be, like, cheating Scott Rowland and cheating Barry Bonds. You know, like, it's still, like, he would still not be on that level. Right. Sort of a sort of a thing. So, I don't know, when these people vote because they're like, oh, I thought because he was clean. Like, you vote and be like, yeah, Karen Griffey Jr., I would say I'd – like, I bet my life never cheated and just happened to be so much better than everybody else. And he's a freak. Imagine if he took steroids. Holy shit. <laughs> like, 
Like, but you don't know. He might have, like, uh, you know, like, know. it could have caused him to get injured earlier, you know? He was already fr- fragile enough as it is. You make some of those ligaments weaker, you know? He, maybe he maybe he burns out his arm, doesn't uh, doesn't ever recover from that, doesn't make it to 500 home runs. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know. And you just, you don't, you, you can't really say that everybody was clean without a shadow of a doubt. You know, so that's also like, the people that played in that era that, yeah, like, like who are you to who are you to say that Jared Jeter wasn't? Like we don't freaking know. Just because his head didn't balloon, like we don't. Like, I don't know. I don't know. So that's why, that's why it's sort of like I used to be like very much. Oh, you cheated. You don't deserve to be there. Type of person. But then I evolved as like as a fan of the game. That I'm just like you know what they're so sort of. That's why I should evolve when it comes to like the claws of character. But a part of me is just like. Be a good person. It's really not that hard for a chilling. So, that's really where I come from, uh, when it comes to, like, character clauses. But I sort of grew as, as, like, as I did, as I got older to just be like, you know what, fuck it. There are, there's some already in there. Let them, let them in. You know, like, you're, you're keeping out arguably, like, one of the best hitters that has ever played this game of baseball. And a lot of it has to do is, like, you just, he thought he was kind of a dick. He doesn't need to be nice to the damn media. My thing is be nice to fans. If you're nice to fans, it's literally all I care about. You want to be a dickhead to the media? Like, be a dick to the media. David Price in the media always had a thing, but supposedly David Price is one of the nicest people, like, humans you'd want to meet. That's what I want to know about David Price. I don't care if he gives some side-eye to the, the people asking questions. Unfortunately, the whole him and Eckersley sort of soiled him. But I hear he's a great teammate. He seems to be really good with fans. Just kind of doesn't like the media, you know? So um, I, I interviewed a couple of guys that played with Barry Bonds in the mm. mid-'90s with the Giants. Uh, Jalal Leach, who got 10 at-bats with the Giants, and another play, and I think 19... I want to say 1994, and then there was another guy named Dax Jones who played for, like, half a season with the Giants. Um, and both of them had a lot of Barry stories. Um, <laughs> and it was it was interesting because they were both um, both these, like, um, African-American journeymen, and they both spoke pretty vividly about Barry taking them under their wing and uh, kind of just, like, t- like sharing his knowledge with them, and, like, they're, they're just really marveling over how incredible of a player he was, and, you know, like, when you hear that from the other players, and just, like, these random ones who, like, you know, like, didn't really play for that long in the at, a, at the big league level, it's kind of, uh, I think that that speaks a lot, because, like, you know, like, they weren't talking about Jeff Kent, or, uh, I don't know, like, Ellis Burks, other guys who were with the Giants at that time, it was all, all Barry stories. Um, and that's good the- to hear. Something that's kind of weird to me, though, is that how do you vote for Barry Bonds or – I see you can vote for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, but you cannot vote for Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens. How yeah, do you vote no. for one of these guys but not the other? That is so weird to me that I, that, that, that happened. I Yeah, because I was listening to um, – I believe that it was Heyman. Well, he got a lot of shit for his ballot. And he was on Big Time Baseball talking about it, and I thought that his rationale was just kind of stupid. Um, his thing was like, oh, I voted for Barry Bonds because, you know, I just realized that, yeah, he was probably a Hall of Famer, like, before steroids, but, like, David Ortiz, pff, 
I, I think that, like, you know, he only was a Hall of Famer because he took steroids. One, also, David Ortiz never popped, but because of that, like, anonymous, was supposed to stay anonymous, um, 2003, yep. I think it was, like, 2003 survey, he was supposedly tested positive for some sort of... For something uh, that was completely legal at the time, yes. Yes, yes. So, um, get, so sort of bringing that into it, and I was like, this is some of the shittiest logic I've maybe I mean, ever heard. It kind of makes you, <laughs> I mean, I don't, uh, I, I certainly don't think that reporters should be hung, but I do understand <laughs> yeah. why, uh, you why you might not, uh, think that their, um, opinions are especially valid. <laughs> no, no, and I agree, it's because of things like that, but you're right, they're, because we're seeing some of these ballots, and it's great that some of these people allow them to come out, and they're like, they'll take the backlash, but yeah, the idea of voting for Barry Bonds and not voting for Roger Clemens or voting for Roger Clemens and not for Barry Bonds. Or if you want to leave off neither, leave off neither. But yeah. if you're voting for one, you need to vote for both. Exactly. They are a package deal at this yeah. point. And look at how close. Uh, they were both at, like, um, last time, they were both at, Bonds was at 61.8% and Clemens was at 616 They are, like, neck and neck in yeah. this thing. And I don't know, man. I this could be another year that like nobody gets in, man. I mean, I don't know. Like, this, it's going to be uh It's going to be very tough. tough to tell. Um, okay, so now we so those were, in my opinion, the slam dunks. Like these guys definitely belong belong mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Now absolutely. we've got. So now we've got Scott Rowland. Uh, I mean. I mean, you're really di- you're you're dipping off here when it comes to like a wins above replacement. You're looking at like 162.7 for Barry freaking Bonds, uh, 139.2 for Clemens, who was a pitcher, which is crazy because if you look at 79.5 for Schilling as a pitcher, that's really great. But then you look at a position player like Scott Rowland, 70.1. That's like a huge dip off from you know the guys that were saying like, oh, these are slam dunks to make it into the Hall of Fame. Well, I look at Bonds and Clemens as all time. Like they're not just yeah. greats of the era; they're greats of the history of baseball. Of baseball, so. yeah. Maybe more realistic there is to look at Kurt Schilling with his 79.5. Yeah, that's that's more of like a, yeah. Um, I don't know, like, like I think Scott Rowland's good. I don't know if he's a Hall of Fame. Like, I really don't. I, I don't think I think of Scott Rowland and I think, oh, that's a Hall of Famer. But again, that could just be me not really thinking about Scott Rowland often. <laughs> You know? He won Rookie of the Year the same year as Nomar, so I have thought about uh, Scotty Rowland quite a quite bit. A because of that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, he's the National League's Nomar then. Mm-hmm. He's not, but he was still a pretty good player. He um, yeah. Rowland, I think, was often overshadowed by guys like Adrian Beltre, who were just a little bit better than him. But he was... The he solid was third baseman. Very solid. Excellent defensively. Um... I could see him getting in as like a ten year guy, a nine year, ten yeah, year guy where at the is same he at, at this point. He's at fifty two point nine five years in. Okay. And all right, so then I think he will probably yeah, if you're at fifty almost fifty percent or over fifty percent at fifth year, you yeah, he might get in like you're saying, like a ten. I give him a on my scale of like one through ten, I give him like a seven. I think that um I'm not going to be upset if he gets in by any means. I think because third basemen also get kind of get the shaft. I think sometimes when it comes mm. to uh, voters, I think that they're expected to hit like first baseman, but it's a much 
more difficult position to play defensively. Yeah. Um. So I think that yeah, I think that he was consistently solid. I think he did he win a World Series with the with the Cardinals. I feel like he might have. He was on the Cardinals in '04, I remember, but I don't know. My vivid memories are he went when he's with the Jays. Because I think he went to the Jays after he was in. Yeah, he did. Yeah, let's see. He won a World Series with the Phillies. Okay, with the Phillies. Wait, was it with the Phillies? No, no, no. Who did he win with? No, he did win with the Cardinals in 06. He was there in 06 as well. Okay, so it would have been with 06. Yeah. Yeah, but he was a, um, you know, hang on, let me. And I'd have to have, like, other third basemen at the time up just to see, like, how he compared. But here we go. So he was rookie of the year. He was a seven-time All-Star and an eight-time Gold Glove winner. Yeah, no, very, very good. And, yeah, he won the World Series in 2006. Uh, Yeah, played. Yeah, so, yeah, he was with the Jays from, oh, oh, I don't know why, like, only literally 2008, 2009. But when I think of Scott Rowland, I'm like, he was with the Jays. I don't know why that one sticks in my head. Yeah, I remember him play. I, I I felt like he played with them for a while too. He did pretty well for them too. Like I'm um, just looking at his 2009 for them. He hit like 320 uh, when he was with them. Yeah, it was really just for. Yeah, it was like for two years. He kind of sucked in one of them. He had a, a nice little revival towards the end of his career with Cincinnati, but Cincinnati. I get the feeling that some of that, some of his all-star appearances there were just him being popular and getting voted on, because, like, yeah, just looking at his 2011. You're like, so eh. Yeah, seven-time all-star. I mean, yeah, like you said, a very solid, really good player will maybe get in there because you're allowed to be on the ballot for about ten years. For ten yeah. years, so. I, yeah. And people liked him. People, people just yeah. liked him. Yeah, seems like a nice guy. So that helps, and the likability helps, because we're talking about, like, you know, there's the the not likability of a Kurt Schilling or a Barry Bonds or a Clemens, you know, and then you get to Scott Rowland, who's a nice guy, so maybe gets a little bit of a boost. So, you know who doesn't seem like a nice guy? Omar oh, Vizquel. Yeah. Omar Vizquel can eat shit. Eat shit. <sighs> like, you know, you would talk about, like, Kurt Schilling has spoken out as and has come out with saying douchebaggery things like Omar Vizquel has physically assaulted his wife and also abused power by physically assaulting a bat boy like this dude is a literal piece of dog shit (laughs) yeah and you know the thing that was really working for him about potentially being a hall of famer was that people liked him and the glove the glove was good, and he had he played for a long time. I mean, the mm-hmm. guy he had, did. He really uh, played long. Like long two thousand eight hundred seventy seven hits. So yeah, yeah, that's a lot of hits. But also, the numbers weren't really that good. When you look at his career slash line, two seventy two average, fine. But he was also playing in the steroid era, so you know that's not that great. And then a three fifty two slugging percentage, like I. That's what he slugged. Oh yeah. It was not. He had 80 career home runs. Oh, shit. So a lot of those things were singles. A lot of those yeah. 2,800 is. You a know, lot like, of singles. Yeah. So that's what I looked at as baseball has progressed. We've, you know, you could look and say, oh, 3,000 hits and see like a, what, like a three a 350, uh, you know, like uh, slugging and then be like, oh, well, now that we see how much more valued a double is, a triple is, a home run and being like, oh, well, these hits 
were or for power or they were actually driving people in. They were doing this. They weren't just like, oh, you hit a bunch of singles. Cool. Like your, what is it, uh, Fletcher of Anaheim. Like that dude just <laughs> hits a bunch of singles. That's literally his what he does. Like. <laughs> I think some of it depends on the era that you're playing and also, though, because I mm-hmm. think now I take a guy who – I honestly um, – I don't hate Fletcher. I actually think that he has a skill set right now that a lot of people – that is just terribly undervalued. You have – because everybody's either – it's all or nothing. It's either a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. But you have a guy who can just consistently make contact with the ball. I mean, that's something that Mookie Betts does it better than anybody else just about, like, yeah, but the Mookie ability to – everything else. <laughs> right. I'm not saying that Fletcher's a future Hall of Famer. I'm just saying that, you know, like being able to make contact with the ball is an underrated skill these days. And it wasn't as much so back in like when this mm. cow was. In oh, fact, no, like, that's why they were more valued then as 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 compared to now. Sure. So I give this hell a four. Like, yeah, I give him like a zero because like, <laughs> like wizard defensively. But I don't know, like I'm going to have to pull in the. The real character clause with this <laughs> one that I, you know, speaking louder than words. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just like this guy cannot, cannot. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. How about Billy Wagner? Former, I actually think former Red Sox Billy Wagner. Yeah, yeah. Well, Billy Wagner's story is the stuff that you should make movies about. That like he broke his right arm as a child and was like, you know what? I'm going to start throwing with my left hand so I don't lose any bit of development. And then realized that he could have he was stronger from the left side, and he just started throwing left-handed. Is why I mean, hey, that's going to give you a big advantage in baseball. If you're a lefty with a pulse, you can pitch till you're 50 yeah. if you really it's want to. It's crazy. And he had gas. Uh, I love Billy Wagner. I think that he should probably be in there. It's tough. When when you're a leaf pitcher and you're not Mariano Rivera, uh, but I I think Billy Wagner was an, an incredible incredible relief pitcher, one of the the best of his era, two thirty one career uh, ERA like he just, he quit while he was on top too. I think his best season was actually his last year in the majors. Yeah, that was in Atlanta in 2010. Yeah, he made the All Star team. He played yeah, 16 I, years. Super, like, that's some, like, longevity in this game. He struck out 104 people in 69 innings that year at the that's age of 38 insane. after that's missing crazy. most of 2009. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, that is some ludicrous, that's just a ludicrously good way to finish things. This is, I, I just, I actually just can't get past this. You know what his agent's name was, apparently? Or is? What? Bean Stringfellow. Like, that can't be a real person. Like, a. That is, that is a made-up name. Fellow. Really? That is crazy. Like, I want to know more about being Stringfellow now. Yeah, like, who is being Stringfellow? Like, this is going to drive me. Like, I can't do this now, but I'm telling you, as soon as, like, we're done with, like, recording this, I'm going to be doing a deep dive on being Stringfellow. Being Stringfellow? <laughs> yeah, where does he work? Is he just a friend? <laughs> like, who? Who is this motherfucker? I want to know. Right? But, uh, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent for, uh, for Wagner. Um, no, I had been kind of indifferent until, like, we actually looked at this, but I agree with you. Yeah, I just think he's great. I mean, he was doing, you know, especially when he was in the era of the greatest closer that ever lived. So, like, you're obviously going to, like, be, always be second to Mariano Rivera, but, like, he did his own thing in that era and did it at an extremely high rate. Oh, I've got an unpopular opinion here for you. I think he was better than Trevor Hoffman. 
Yeah, there you go. I, I, and Trevor Hoffman's in there. And Trevor, I mean, a lot had to do with Trevor Hoffman's saves. Like, people really looked at saves. Like, you know, for, until Rivera broke it, he was the saves leader. So, like, and now we're looking at saves as sort of not nearly as important as we sort of once thought it was. Like, a lot of, you know, you you look at what Tampa Bay does. They almost have truly that bullpen by committee, and they really look at matchups, and they have multiple closers. So, like, is the idea of that, like, the closer sort of going away? Like, or, and the idea of some people not believing that people can close, even though they've done an entire half season of being one of the most elite closers and does, don't really understand that fatigue plays a factor into why they are not elite in their own mental state, too, as to why they sort of fall off, you know, with Matt, somebody like a Matt yeah. Barnes. Um, but, so I don't know what, what the, what closers will become. I don't know. The Red Sox right now really don't have a closer. Does it go back to Matt Barnes? Do, I mean, granted the, the, we still have plenty of offseason after the lockout, but what will the Red Sox, will the Red Sox try to get a, you know, the quote unquote guy that goes on the ninth, the closer, or will they start looking at what like Tampa Bay does? So closer as a whole, I'm interested to see how that evolves as baseball goes on. I just remember that 2003 season when it was like a mix and match situation with closers and you had like Alan Embry randomly going out oh, there God. sometimes. As well as Tampa has been able to work with that, I'm still not convinced that anybody can be a closer. I think that you do need a, a specific skill set for it. I think that you have to have yeah, a lot I don't of really, I don't really know. Like, I don't know. You don't have to be a flamethrower. You just, like Casey yeah. Jamson, for instance, with the Blue Jays, had a few good years and he like barely through harder than 90, but I think that you have to, you have to, I think that you just have to be able to not get rattled in the big situation. Yeah. And it's like, and like, I think, and I don't necessarily think that Matt Barnes is somebody that gets rattled. I just don't know what the hell happens to Matt Barnes in the second half of the season. I think fatigue plays a lot into it, but I mean, you don't pitch at an all-star level, potentially the best because you're not mentally tough. Like he was mentally tough for half of the season. So it's like, I don't, I don't know what Matt Barnes's problem is, but his stuff is elite. It's just, it's like, trust it, dude. It's like, trust it. Yeah, I mean, he's also, but, you know, you lose, like, a couple miles an hour on the fastball because of, like you were saying, fatigue. Yeah. Then you start to doubt the rest of your game, you know? You start to yeah. doubt, oh, well, maybe I just have to use my curveball while the curveball's lost a little bit of edge to it. And, you yeah, know, I next think he needs you know, to be you're... managed better. And I think what helps you manage Matt Barnes better is Haim actually going out and getting more relievers, you know, that you, can... you mean you weren't, uh, you weren't content with Ryan Brazier there being, uh, his main guy? I've never been a Maya Brian Brazier fan. <laughs> like, never. <laughs> I'm fine. He's there. Cool. Like, he was really good in 2018. I do like his attitude when he's, like, telling, you know, Gary Sanchez to get back in the fucking box. Like, I like it, but, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think the bullpen's going to shape up well. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see what the Red Sox bullpen is. Um, but when it goes to, you know, a, an elite closer and what an elite closer was, I think that Billy Wagner was an elite closer. So I'm going to do for this next, uh, the next year, we're going to do a lightning round here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I just want your one through 10. Do they deserve to be in the hall of fame? Yeah. How like, okay, ready? Yeah. We're just going to, we're going to speed through some of these now. Ryan Howard. Zero. A.J. Pierzynski. Zero. Negative two? <laughs> Jonathan Papelbon. Uh, Pap was good for a while. I'll give Pap like a four. <laughs> Tim Lincecum. 
Oh fuck, man. There was you talk about just elite. Like for a for a hot minute. I'll give him like I'll give him like a six just for like a short period. He didn't have the longevity, but short periods of times. God damn, I love watching Lincecum. Joey Nathan. Uh, like a two. Like, <laughs> like cool. Like uh oh, here's a fun one. Prince Fielder. Oh my god, Prince Fielder. Seems like a good guy. We'll go we'll go three for Prince. <laughs> Justin Morneau. Oh damn, I also liked Morneau. Morneau was Morneau was good for a few seasons. Um I give him like a three. Jake Peavy. Oh, fuck man, another person that was great for a hot minute too. Like Cy Young, like And uh, triple crowd litter. Yeah, like he was great for a while. Like, I loved watching him pitch when he was in San Diego. I loved when the Sox got him in 13, even if he was whatever. Um, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give PV, like, a, I'll give him a four. Jimmy Rollins. A two. I love you, <laughs> J-Roll. You seem like a nice guy, but. It's interesting that you gave Ryan Howard a one, but you gave Jimmy Rollins a two. I don't know. I liked him. And I was there when uh, <laughs> when J- Ryan Howard hit his, uh, he was, like, the fastest to hit 100 home runs, like, in the history of baseball. I was there when he hit that home run. Uh, but cool. Yeah, no, it was really cool. Uh, but then he just completely exploded, like, yeah. out. It's unfortunate. Another seemed like a great guy. Okay, so this is going to be the final of the of the lightning round. Or actually, no, two more. Ready? Mark Burley. Uh, I'll give him a one, too. He, he got lucky with a couple of perfect games, no hitters, but, like... He's fine. Like yeah, I he's on his second. He's on his second year. He got eleven percent of the vote last year. Really? Yeah. Okay. Isn't that like amazing to think about? That is. He's he's fine. He's fine. Okay, and then ready. Red Sox great Carl Crawford. Oh fuck that guy! Zero. <laughs> like he was fast. He stole home, and then we gave him a lot. Stole a bunch of money from us. Uh, no, I don't think Hall of Fame. I don't think Carl Crawford. That's fair. Yeah, no, he's definitely when he was with before he went to Boston, I thought that he was going to be a Hall of Famer. Before he was he, great in Tampa Bay, I Tampa. will give him that. I will give he him was, that. And it felt like every time he just destroyed the Red Sox. I remember they had like yeah. the fat him and Joey Gathright in the outfield were like the two fastest guys in baseball. Yeah, he was really good in Tampa. He should never have left Tampa, maybe. But yeah. you know, money talks. Money talks. It does. Um, so there are a few more guys that are kind of interesting. I don't know if you want to. We do a few more lightning ones if you want, just because there's sure. some that it's like, how much can we say about them? Do you, you know? completely that... disagree with me on any of mine? Were you like, oh no, that one's? Uh, I may have been um, with some numbers. I will admit that. <laughs> so I low key absolutely love AJ Pierzynski, and I think the fact that he got 2,000 hits as a catcher is mm-hmm. very underlooked. But I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, well, good for him. I didn't realize he had that many. Yeah, he's like one of the top ten all-time hits for a catcher, which is like kind of because he played for such a long time. But yeah, as a, it's hard to do that as a catcher to stay healthy for as long as he did. Um, Lincecum, I think, is like he's like um, remember Johan Santana. Yeah, so good for such a little short time, but yeah, yeah. Lincecum's like a right-handed Santana. I feel mm-hmm. like, um, and then Morneau, I have just like. Uh, I resent Morneau because um, the 2008 MVP that Dustin Pedroia won, I really thought Kevin Euclid deserved it, and I think that Morneau pulled votes away from Euclid because they were both playing first base. 
So, yeah, don't get me wrong, I love win. Kiki, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're kind of in the same boat there. Um, but, like, somebody, like, you know, you're sort of looking at, like, I don't necessarily think Mark Teixeira is a Hall of Famer either. Nope. Like, I, don't, I don't think Teixeira is, which is a shame, because he was a good player, too, but... Yeah, like, that's really what it comes from, like, the, the is it the Hall of Really Good? Or is it the Hall of Fame? Like, we're, we're really yeah. trying to... But then again, we, we talked earlier, Harold Baines is in there, so Mark Teixeira, welcome to the Hall of Fame. Like, <laughs> you know, like, so you're starting to let the, the really good in there, then just let them all, like, you know? But so yeah, yeah. A few guys that I think are kind of in the same category for, like, their, like how how good they were. Yeah. Todd Helton, yeah. Gary Setfield, Andrew Jones, mm-hmm. Jeff Katz. Yes, I agree. I think those are... Where do you think with them? Um, I think very, like, I, 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 very, very, very good players. I don't know if they're over the threshold of the Hall of Fame, though. It's tough. It's tough. Especially with, like, Andrew Jones, man. Was there a better center fielder than Andrew Jones? Like, Defensively, he was, he was unbelievable, and he hit yeah, a ton of home runs. Absolutely incredible. Uh, but then you look at somebody like Jeff Kent. I mean, the guy was an offensive powerhouse at second base. You don't, you know, you don't see a lot of second basemen winning the MVP. Mm, that's a good point. Um, yeah, no. So it's like I think they're just like those are guys that are very much skirting it, and like that's why I'm, they're they're sort of from you know Andrew Jeff Kent to you know up to Todd Helton. They're like thirty two to forty four, almost forty five. So they're sort of like. But it's tough. Like somebody, Jeff Kent's not getting in because he's on the ninth. Like Andrew Jones, I think he's just too low, even though he's on the fifth. Sheffield's not going to get in. So uh, the Todd Helton being almost at forty-five on his fourth, maybe. But like some of these guys, I think are really running out of their time. I would this. be, I would be so happy if Helton got in because I just remember the year Nomar hit three seventy-two. Mm-hmm. So did Todd Helton. Yeah, Todd Helton was a great, great hitter, and, and uh, to me, you know, people will say Core's effect, whatever. No, great play. I loved watching Todd Helton hit. Still like, has to play half his games outside, of course. Still hit a career yeah. 316. Like, yeah, that's I, where people really get the show. I'm like, they still play, yeah, like, you're right. They play 81 games at Core's, but they play 81 games not at Core's. Yeah, it's not like he's going, like, over 300 as soon as he leaves Core's. But <laughs> I, Imagine! That would be terrible. <laughs> Be like, wow, this guy really sucks outside course. Like, He's just that good at course. No, it's that that's the course effect. You hit three seventy two, it's all done there. Yep. So yeah, you're right. Those it's gonna be yeah, Helton I think has the the most potential of the Helton Sheffield Jones Kent to maybe get in. Just because he's on his fourth year as opposed to eight nine. And Jones being so lower in like the thirty three range, so for sure. So then I got another three for you that I think are in the same category. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Manny Ramirez, Sammy Sosa, Andy Pettit. Yeah, Manny Ramirez was 100% tested positive for steroids, so he is not getting into the Hall of Fame, whether or not the best right-handed hitter to that I've ever seen and somebody who nobody works harder than Manny, they said, too. But you're dumb. You got, like, you're so dumb 
to get test, to test positive for steroids. Like the list is this long, you know what to take, you know, like, so to me, it's like you, your stupidity should keep you out. <laughs> like, I will give it to Manny that his excuse for the second time he got caught was basically my dick doesn't work without this. And that's kind of hilarious that that was his go-to. <laughs> Being like, God, maybe that's how you know that he's like, if he's going to come out and say that, then you like, this guy it has no shame right now. He is not using this to cheat. He is like, <laughs> I cannot have sex if I'm not using this specifically. And it's not helping me hit home runs. It's helping me get boners. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that is, that is like, hysterical. It turns out Manny can actually only hit home runs if he's fully erect. Right. So you start going, going through like the footage and like checking, like, oh my god, he's been he's got one he's been hard this whole time. Why do you think he was going behind the monster? You know, he's just popping those pills, <laughs> fixing fixing his pants. That's why he was back there. <laughs> like, come on, come on, come on! <laughs> I need to hit the home runs. So it's unfortunate that. Yeah, he's not going to get in when the best player that's played for the Red Sox that I've probably ever seen uh, from, you know, an offensive standpoint, you know. So, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, you have, you know, Pettit. Pettit was, like, low-key the the Yankee that I crushed on because I thought he was sexy. I love that stare and those eyes. And, like, so Pettit was, like, my crush, like. <laughs> So I always had a soft spot for him, but he can't, he did test positive for HGH. He did say, like a lot of them say, I used it for recovery. And yeah, maybe you did use it for recovery. And maybe if you, if you prove that this is for recovery, they should be able to use certain things that will help for recovery as opposed to it giving you sort of a competitive edge. But I don't know. It's tough. So it's tough because I think that Pettis potentially is in sort of like the, the Musina shilling sort of thing. Like, you know, I think Musina's in. I just always look at Musina is in. People that are close to Musina should be in, you know? The only thing that I look at with Pettit there versus Schilling is that, like, just with the war, Pettit's mm-hmm. war is 60.2 to Schilling's 79.5. Mm. So that does, to me, at least take, like, I get, I, Agree with you that he was that type of pitcher that Musina, yeah, Schilling, not like never. No one's ever going to mistake him for the best, best pitcher in the league. No, but he can put a toe with them. Yeah, yeah, and he had great seasons for the Yankees. You know, unfortunately, but uh, you know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's sort of how I feel with like you know with Pettit, and then who was the um, the third one was. No, I'm so gonna I'm going to go on a little tangent here about so Go! <laughs> so, I got into baseball, really started getting into it the year of the Sosa McGuire race, and I do not care what anybody says about steroids destroying the game. That was absolutely spectacular to be a nine-year-old kid turning on Sports Center every day and seeing how many they knocked out of the park. Yeah, it got it it saved was, baseball. Friggin' unbelievable. And Sosa played with just, he had like the hop after he hit the home runs. Remember, he'd do like the little jump, yeah. like, like the double jump. So I, it's amazing to me that just the amount of Sammy Sosa disrespect that 10 years on and he still only 17%, 17% of the vote, even though he hit 609 career home runs. 
I is it because like he did other things like the corked bat incident? Like, do people sort of look at that and say, "Wow, you were you not only you're doing steroids, you were looking for like so many other ways to cheat too." So I don't know if like those things sort of are like you know strike one, strike two. I I don't know. It, he never seemed like a bad guy. Like he seemed to love to play the game of baseball. If these cheater tactics work so well, why don't you see more people doing them? Why don't you see more people getting caught doing them? Yeah. You know? You're right. But I love, like, literally got caught with the court bat. It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can see how that, uh, I, 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 I get that people, yeah. like, I get, I get it, mm-hmm. but, but I don't understand how, like, somebody like Andrew Jones, who objectively had less of an effect on the sport as a whole, is, has more votes than him. No, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It does make sense. There is a weird why, why, granted, like, Barry Bonds is clearly on a different level. Oh, Um, yeah. But it's like, why aren't you giving respect to Sosa? I guess you could say the same thing for McGuire when he uh, was on the ballot. I'm still bummed out that he never got in. I thought that just as far as the effect that they had on the game, I think they both should be in. But I also think Roger Maris should be in the Hall of Fame, and he didn't get in from the committee this year, so hey. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't got, know, but I, I agree with you on that for sure. So I've got four, uh, three more lightning round guys, and then yeah. our final two. Sounds good. So, Tory Hunter. One. I like you, Tory. <laughs> but, again, doesn't really scream Hall of Fame. I was actually at the game when he got hurt at Fenway. Like, oh, were like, you? Ankle. I remember that. Oh. No, he seems but. like such a nice guy, but I don't know. But didn't I also weirdly hear some like racist thing about him too? That they were like, "Oh, he made this racist comment once," and I was like, "What?" I didn't think it was racist. I thought it was homophobic. With Hunter. oh, was it a homophobic? I comment? think it was a homophobic. Yeah, comment. because I was like, "But he seemed like such a nice guy. Like you could just be completely b- buffaloed by people too." So you, yeah. you know, I don't know. Just yeah, he. Some people are just better at keeping their mouth shut about this stuff than others. Yeah, like, I don't need to really know about your personal, like, preferences or, like, to me, it's like, you do you, I do you. Like, you don't need to be yeah. running your mouth, Kurt Schilling. Your mouth is why you're not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Bobby Abreu. Um, I, I feel like he's kind of in the same sort of Tory Hunter thing. Like, he's, that's why he's sort of, like, 8.7 at on his third year. I don't think he's getting into the Hall of Fame ever. And he kind of had his career ruined by the by the home run derby in some ways, I think. Because you remember he had, like, that year where he, like, won it and he hit, like, a zillion home runs. And then yeah, and then was all messed it was up. terrible after. Yeah, that's why yeah. a lot of guys are, like, afraid of it. Yeah, he literally, he is the reason that we have never, that we're never going to see Mike Trout do a home run derby. Mm-hmm. And I don't uh, blame him. Last one here, Tim Hudson. Hudson was good for good for a little while, was never really the best, was never even the best on his own team. You know, especially it's tough when you're pitching in Atlanta. <laughs> like, um, and then Oakland, he was, uh, yeah. wasn't he with uh, Mulder and Zito there? Yeah, like that's a, that's a damn good three. <laughs> like, yeah, but again, he's like your three, your four. So, I, and again, you know, I know it could be my own like name recognition. Like I'd really have to deep dive more into all of these numbers to really be like whether or not uh, I really personally think it, but like to me, Tim Hudson doesn't scream Hall of Fame pitcher. Yeah. He, um, you know, it's interesting because if you're going just with like ERA, 
His career ERA is only three points higher than what Schilling's was, and he actually won more games than Schilling, too. Really? Those are like, Interesting. Yeah, 222 wins, but those are, you know, those are somewhat more arbitrary stats yeah, these days. Yeah, true, true. Uh, but, I mean, I like I liked Hudson. I give him more like a, he, you know who I always associated him with? I know it's actually not a good comparison. For some reason, I just always associated him and Derek Lowe. I mean, I can kind of see it. Like, yeah, he was definitely better than Derek Lowe. Because Derek Lowe had some high highs and some low lows. Low lows. No pun intended. Low with an E or? Yeah. Low with an E, low with not an E. Uh, like, but, yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, Derek Lowe did a lot of great things for the 2004 Red Sox. So thank you, Derek Lowe. <laughs> He was yeah, like a no. fun pitcher to watch. Oh, yeah, and, like, he had the season where he was, like, a closer, and then he had a season where he threw that no-hitter, and then, you know, the postseason uh, in 2004 where he won all the clinching games. Like, you don't win the 2004 World Series without Derek Lowe. So it's wild. Derek Lowe's career was kind of wild. He was a, he was really good for the Dodgers for a few years, too. Yeah, and he, he went to the After Dodgers. he left Boston. Yeah. He went to uh, L.A. I don't blame him. <laughs> Do you remember, there was, like, a period when it was, like, all these ex-Red Sox that I liked all went to L.A. I think um, Nomo went there, and then Nomar went there, Mm -hmm. and then Grady Little ended up there as a manager. (laughs) It was, like, all of them were just headed out to L.A. Low, obviously. I think Shea Hillenbrand was there for a little bit. (laughs) All of Ed's favorites go to sunny Southern California. (laughs) I mean, I get it. (laughs) Our final two here. Yes. Some good. The former Mr. Jennifer Lopez, Alex Rodriguez. Yes, yes. Uh, the guy that lost to Boston Red Sox fan Ben Affleck for the love of a lady <laughs> because A Rod doesn't know how to love anybody but himself. Boiled um, again. Mm hmm. So, my problem with A Rod is uh, tested positive, has 162 game suspension, the longest that has ever been handed out by anybody. I think that is, you know, do do not get into the Hall of Fame because, like, you did actually test positive. Like, sort of the idea of, like, oh, we don't know. Barry Bonds never tested positive. Roger Clemens never tested positive. Like, you have the shadow of doubt. Like, let them in. But if somebody does test positive, even if I'm, like, who gives a shit, let them in, um, they're not getting in. So that's sort of how it is. But was A-Rod one of the best players I ever saw play? Yeah. Like, and I hate it. I hate he's a Yankee. I hate that he finally won in New York. Um, You know, the whole, like, is he coming to Boston? He was, like, on the dot, supposed to be signs coming to Boston, and the players, like, union, like, Knicks is in. Then he goes to friggin' New York, so you automatically hate him. Um, He has this wild sort of personality that, uh, but he does, he is also a good sport, too. I mean, he sat there during the world, during the ALCS when fans are cheating, like, shouting Affleck at him. Like, and he sat there and he took it. Like, you know, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. Like, David Ortiz loves him, you know? Um, so I don't, like, hate A-Rod, like, as, as a person. I think it's kind of a, he's kind of like a meme at this point. <laughs> You know, um, and he was a fantastic player. Like, Derek Jeter's in the Hall of Fame, and Derek Jeter wasn't even the best shortstop on his team. Not by a long shot. You know what's amazing? If you think about that, remember when it was the three great shortstops, A-Rod, Nomar, and Jeter? Mm-hmm. And objectively, the worst of the three is going to be the only one that got into the Hall of Fame. Yep. And almost at 100%. 
just because he was a Yankee and a nice guy and won some World Series championships, it's like, uh, if Nomar stayed healthy, he's unequivocally better. He had way better seasons than, like, Oh, there's a lot, there's a case that Nomar should be in the hall, and I think that there's a chance that he gets in as, like, what he's one in the 70s or something like that, yeah, as, like, hey. one from one of these committees. Nomar's, I don't think that there was a shortstop of a better peak than Nomar. It was fantastic. He was yeah. just so unbelievably good at, at hitting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm with you with A-Rod. I think he probably, if we're going on the same scale as like Bonds and Clemens, yeah, he should be in. But I think, like you said, the 162 game suspension is really gonna hurt him. Yeah. Um, I mean, why not just make that official then? Just say, you get suspended for this, you're not allowed on the ballot. You know? Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's that point. would solve why a lot of problems. It? Yeah, it would. Sorry, Robbie Cano. Oh, Robbie's like, Maybe the stu- Robbie Robinson Cano's stupidity should be why that man is never getting into the <laughs> twice, twice uh, Robinson. <laughs> so so stupid. the last one, and you you've been waiting for this, I'm sure. Yes, David, Big Pappy Ortiz. I think David Ortiz will get into the Hall of Fame. I think he deserves to be into the Hall of Fame. I do not think he is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and it comes down to not just the DH. It comes down to DH and Edgar Martinez. Edgar Martinez was a better baseball player than David Ortiz, numbers-wise. Outside of home runs, like, if you really look numbers-wise, Martinez has better numbers than Ortiz. And that's why I don't think Ortiz is necessarily first ballot, but I think he will get in, and I think he deserves to be in there. And whether or not you can say – he took steroids, he did this, he did that, like, whatever. He was on in a thing that was supposed to stay anonymous and then had never tested positive once, like, testing was implemented into the game of baseball. Never once. That's a fact. Uh, he was so important to the city of Boston, so important to, you know, three incredible World Series championships, including they don't win in 2013 without his incredible World Series. So... There's just so many factors. Not only that, he's a, a very decent man. He's done so much for not only the city of Boston, but also for his home country of the Dominican Republic. So I think he is a Hall of Famer. I believe he's a Hall of Famer. You, I think that, you know, Martinez sort of broke through the, um, you know, the, what, the ceiling with the DH finally getting in. I think Ortiz will, and I think he does. I just don't believe it'll be the first ballot. But if it is, I'm not going to complain. I, I will be very glad. So it's interesting because I normally would agree with a lot of this. I don't know if I I don't know if of the two I take I would even I don't think I, I I think that I would actually take um Ortiz over Edgar Martinez. It's just there were a lot of Edgar Martinez numbers so just better than I'm not I'm not saying I'd probably take Poppy too, but it's just like there were certain outside of like Poppy had way more power. Oh, he did. Martinez was an exceptionally good hitter. He had a lot more singles. Mm -hmm. But here's where the difference for me is, and it's that Ortiz was so clutch, and that's such an intangible. When you look at at what he did in 2004 and 2013, Mm -hmm. but also just like 
How many games did you see Ortiz have like the walk off home run? I was I I saw him yeah. do it against the White Sox in two thousand four, and then I saw him do it again against Houston, um, where he just missed hitting for the cycle by like a home run. Uh, <laughs> the one hit, thing. I saw his last career triple. He hit a walk off double in like the eleventh inning off Michael Felice, I think it was. Oh, that guy. <laughs> who's now on the Red Sox again? Yeah. Um, the guy just like. I, I can't. I cannot think of somebody in my lifetime, at least, who was so consistent in the big situation. No, I. I can't. There's no possible way you can disagree. It's like, is there such thing as the clutch gene, and how did he have it so much better than anybody else? It's just insane that it was like if there was that situation, the right situation, like David Ortiz would deliver nine times out of ten, and that's just insane to think about. So I don't disagree with you that like. Um, Edgar Martinez is objectively, you know, as far as just, like, pure hitting goes, probably a little bit better than him. One more, certainly won more batting titles. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, like we're going, like, like it's like like nibbling and, like, like sort of thing. But uh, that's why I just say that it took so long for him to get in is the only reason that I don't think that Ortiz is a first ballot. But I believe that Ortiz is definitely a Hall of Famer. That's really, that's, like, sort of what I'm looking at, like, what Edgar did versus, like, what David did. How many years was it for Edgar? Like, seven years, something like that? Yeah, it took him a while. It really did take him a while. Let's see. I think if you, it does let you know the ballot if I look up him, Edgar Martinez. I think it's a, be nice if if I could spell. (laughs) Yeah, it usually tells you which ballot it was. Uh, 10th ballot. No, it was his 10th ballot. Oh, wow. So he really snuck up. That's, that's a travesty, honestly, because he, he really was spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. No, for true. And spending his entire career in Seattle as well, to me, amazing. Like, I, lo- I just love when you guys play oh. an entire career in one uniform. I love oh, it. I'm a yeah. You'd never see it anymore, either. That's why, Braves, get your shit together. Seriously. Get your shit together. And bring Freddie and Charlie home. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, final note here. You have to, just your prediction for when the results come out. Yeah. Who do you think, <laughs> excuse me, Don't who do you think's going to get? If anybody. Oh, shit. I would say if, I would say if Schilling didn't say more stuff recently, definitely getting it. Because he was so close. Like, so close. Like, I would say, undoubtedly, he'd be getting in. Guys that are that close get in, but then guys that have been that close, like, one or two years ago, in his, he had gotten in, too. Like, they would be like, last year, they'd be like, oh, uh, you get that amount of vote, you should get in, and then he didn't get in last year. So it's so hard to tell. Like, it really is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say nobody gets in. I hate it. I hate it, but I'm gonna say it. I think that that's very possible to happen. Um, mm. I'm going to be a, a little bit more of an optimist here. Good, please, please. <laughs> and I, but not in the way that you think. I think Scotty Rowland's going to get in. All right, hey, that that'd be I interesting. Think that, I think that there's just going to be a collective of people being like, oh, no, well, no, no, yes, <laughs> he's going to be like the tenth guy on everybody's ballot. You know? Yeah, he's so that'll help him. him. Yeah, hey, that is friend. that is my theory for him. Hey, I like that. I like that. I would rather. Someone go in that no one go in because it's boring when no one goes in. 
Definitely. And I mean, that, yeah, no, I know, like, there were, like, four people from the, or six people from the committees, but no, you want somebody that you actually saw play. Yeah, absolutely. The committees are great. Like I said, I think it's great that Oliva and Minoso are going in. But yeah, to see someone, especially now, these are the guys that we did grow up watching, like, to see them get in. But I don't think that there's unequivocally, um, whether it be, like, steroids or, like, you know, in the way, I don't think there's the guys that are on the first ballot, I don't think there's a slam dunk first ballot guy. Yeah. Steroids or being the designated hitter type thing. But I would love if Ortiz got in on a first ballot. I just, for how long it took, you know, Edgar Martinez, I I don't see it happening for him. Yeah. I think he's going to be around like 60% this year, Ortiz. That would be Yeah, I think he's going to get a good amount. And he'll get it in a few years. I I don't think it's going to take him as long as it took Edgar. Just because he's also one of, like, he's been... Like, he's one of the faces of baseball, even, mm-hmm. like, even now, you know? Yeah. He's, you can make a case that he's the most important athlete in the city, at least, like, for, like, New England, even mm-hmm. more so than Tom Brady. You can you can make the case. I don't necessarily agree with it, but mm-hmm. you can make the case. Yeah, absolutely, because you can make the case whether or not baseball weighs more in, in the, like, I was like, I don't really know what's the, the fans' favorite sport in Boston. Is it, is it baseball? Does baseball win out? Or do the Patriots win out? Especially because the Patriots seemingly never lose. Even you lose Tom Brady, you have a COVID whatever year, and now they're back to being the best team in the AFC. We'll have, we'll have to see when Bill Belichick eventually retires. Yeah, like, yeah, that is the factor. Who, who takes over for Bill? But, um, Bill looks like he's having a blast this year. And they could be Super Bowl bound, which is insane. <laughs> Do you imagine? And this is this is football, but if it was a Buccaneers Patriots Super Bowl, oh, could you I'd imagine the rage of the rest of the United States? The I think everybody will be on the team of like be on the side of the Patriots for potentially the first time ever. You think? Like, you think behind Mac people... Jones, I think people really hate. <laughs> you can't exactly blame them. <laughs> No, no, I know. And then he immediately goes there and wins. But I think, like, the craziest thing, because there's also a part of New England being, like, even as much as New England fans like Brady, um, the idea of, like, beating Brady, like, with your new QB and your guy that, like, you were like, I can leave and win immediately with, it's like, well, you know what? He can take a rookie and beat you. So, like, I think there's that, like, and that would be me. But I'm also just a hateful bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. I'd be like, all right, you can do this. You can beat that old man. <laughs> End his career. End his career, Mac. You do it. Put the nail in the coffin. You rookie, you do it. Uh, but then you win one Super Bowl and you beat Tom Brady. Like, all of New England is going to be like, you've got to win like 10 now, Mac. <laughs> You're that good. You beat him when he was in his 40s. Invent time travel. Go back to 2007 and kick his ass then. Then I'll see something. Yeah, right? It's like, you got one down, Mac. You got to get at least eight, nine, ten to be better than Brady. <laughs> like, literally. How many MVPs has he won? All I'm saying, yeah. all I'm saying is that he needs to win at least four MVPs before I'm convinced. Yeah, so true. So true. But as we got on a little bit of football, we'll get back to baseball. Uh, we'll end this little bit of Hall of Fame talk. We'll be back on schedule um, most likely next week. <laughs>
Yeah, definitely. We're hopefully going to be back to to shooting on Sundays, which means that we can drink again, which will be yes, yeah, nice. it'll be a little more fun. We'll do do it early. We won't do it late at night. We'll be like tired or need to get up for work, so we'll be back. Um, trying to keep busy during all of this lockout. You know, it's been like two weeks, and I don't know. It's crazy. Is it just going to be like? Are they going to be come out one day and be like, "Oh yeah, we figured it out," or is there going to be any like updating? Like, I feel like we're just so in the dark. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. I'm kind of losing my mind a little bit here over it. Like, yeah. I don't know what people who like don't like sports do with themselves. Yeah, right. You just focus all your, like, time and energy in, like, movies and television or reading. Like, I like movies, TV, and reading, but I'm also like, where's my, where's my team? Like, I need my team. <laughs> like, I just need those, like, little crumbs being dropped, like, so I can feel, like, the small amount of excitement until uh, spring yeah. trading starts again. Because like, I, I like my seasonal depression is bad enough. Like, yeah, I don't need... this doesn't help, right? Don't don't remove like my one joy. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a person that like I love the off season because I love hearing trade rumors. I love hearing like oh the Red Sox are interested in this person, and like I love how you're getting the oh the Red Sox are interested in Carlos Rodon. I was like, how the fuck would you know that? Because nobody's talking about shit. You're making stuff up now. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I can do that too. I can be just like yeah, the Red Sox are going to sign Carlos Correa. Rumor is yeah. that. They've, uh, that, that there's a $320 million contract over eight years in the works. The rumor, of course, was started by me, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, so, rumor, like, anything I hear now is such bullshit. I was like, you don't know, nobody knows dick right now. Like, I, honestly, I would, uh, I, I would love for, to see Bloom sign, like, a minor league contract with somebody. I mean, the yeah. minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft happened, and it mm-hmm. was like, it was like, get, I was like, I was going through withdrawal, and I just got that hit, you know? You're like, oh, come on, give it to me, give it to me. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Keller from the Yankees, yeah, they took another one, that's our new Whitlock. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. So, yeah, we just have to wait and see. It's been two weeks, we're going through our withdrawals, so we're going to try to... Do some fun stuff as well, baseball related. Um, and thanks for sticking with us. For those of you that listen, we're going to try to do a little more um, exposure with the podcast as well. I mean, that might be good because we've got so much downtime with, you know, not much going on with baseball that we can maybe work on the growth aspect, which would be good. Yeah, yeah well, we'll have some fun. You know, that's, that's the best we can hope for when there isn't any actual baseball is just uh <sighs> Just to talk about the things about it that make us happy. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Adios. Bye.